Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and today on Wandering DMs we have very special guest Mr. Zach Glazer of Necromancer Games, and he's here to talk about Whisper and Venom, his classic mega campaign that he's been working on for over 10 years. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for joining us kind of early Arizona time today. No, oh, hey, you're welcome. It, it isn't that bad. It was, not, it was 10 o'clock. I think I can, you know, I said, I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it now see some of us are more night owls than others. So personally, I would be quite offended if someone asked me to show up this early. So th you're you're very gracious. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about uh tell us about Whisper and Venom. Uh, probably some of our viewers know what that is, but if someone had never heard of that before, what would you what would you say about it? Well, I would, I would imagine most of them have not heard of it before. And you said I've been working on it 10 years, sort of. Um what 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 Whisper and Venom was was um something I wrote back in 2010. because so I was living in San Francisco and I was on a bus and I was bored. And so I pulled my phone and typed in Vintage Dungeons and Dragons. And I don't know if you guys remember, there's a blog called Grognardia that was real popular. That was all about the original, you know, original stuff. I'm like, my God, they play White Plume Mountain still? Jesus Christ. You know, I was like absolutely <laughs> stunned. I was stunned, I was stunned into heresy, right? Um, but uh, so after swearing and being amazed on a bus and probably embarrassing myself, so I was like, I got so viscerally excited. Um, I just didn't know people cared about that stuff anymore. I had no idea that that was being played. And that was such an important part of my life on um, the early edition stuff, like the BX and especially the, the AD&D 1E um, stuff was just, I had the books all the time. I cared about it so much. And uh, I, mean, I got in trouble in second grade because I had Elder's Wizardry and had the lady getting uh, sacrificed to the front cover. I got hauled in the principal's office. So I owe Tim Cask owes me, kills me for that hour. Anyway, so I've told him this too. So I, I'm, not, I'm not embarrassed. Tim Cask owes me for the, that hour I just went there and lost my $6 book. Um, but anyway, yeah, because I, my amount of business, I'm like, what's, what's the matter? Where you leave me alone, you teacher. Like, Go away. It wasn't my teacher, it was another one, right? So, and then I had, I didn't see the problem with it. <laughs> hey, man, it was just rule book. Um, no, but it, it was, D&D was very important to me. And, a lot of ways and i had i was just like in a transition part of my life and i'm like you know i'm gonna make a 16 page module and it's going to be given away free on dragonsfoot.org or wherever well what i'm, what I'm making was this it's a box set it's uh had 97 individual pieces including miniatures and cards i think i have a set of cards here but uh cards dice three books or two books and poster maps and a couple different ways i mean i was like a I was kind of like one of those uh, cook, uh, cooked orders, uh, cooked order restaurants. Like, if you want a hardcover, I made one. If you want one that looked like an old old school ADD module, made one of those too. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a basic. I made a campaign like I one I wanted to play and buy. I live in a small town, same one I lived in when I was growing up. All the places I lived, I came back right. But uh, it's a small town I live in. Didn't have any stuff or had. One place sold three modules that are always X1, right? Um, and 
they would sell miniatures, but always the same five, right? All same five Grenadier Dragon, and then one box of Dragon and six elves that were actually Plains Indians that were repurposed by all Ralph Hart that write terrible stuff. Well, I thought, <laughs> I always thought, and the biggest stores in Phoenix, Arizona, where I would go occasionally, which I, you know, I couldn't drive and I couldn't do anything without, you know, dragging my parents with me halfway across a giant metropolis looking for that perfect figurine, right? So it was out. So when I decided to make mine, I wanted to have it so you could have all the important figures were included. And I just thought that was the way you should do it because Kickstarter had just become a thing. I decided to go ahead and take my 16 page idea and make it explode. And I was actually. I was pretty successful in the Kickstarter for the, for the time, especially. Um, I wasn't there in the first big wave of excitement. But I was in the second kind of wave after we had a couple of failures on Kickstarter before this came up. So I think it probably made it made twenty two thousand. I think, which was really respectable. I think it would have made thirty had it not been for really large failures immediately before mine. Right, but uh, I, I was real proud of it. It did well. Jeff D did the cover of it. Um, this was awesome. It's what I want to do. And I thought, well, that would be it. Gave me. I did my thing and I should move on and get, you know, grow up and get a real job. And then that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I did a second Kickstarter for a game called Death and Taxes, which is very similar in terms of presentation. It was a box set and miniatures and everything else, but it was a lot different of a kind of adventure. It was much. It was much more, it had a lot of politics in it that were nothing to do with actual politics. Like here, we had to do a lot with government, anarchy, um, evil, and nature of evil, and corruption, and stuff. So it was a different kind of thing. And I was real proud of that too. But halfway through it, uh, the owner of Necromancer Games, the principal owner, um, Necromancer Frog God, invited me to join them as a business partner. And okay, uh, sure. <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. But but you know, it was. I was having a good time doing it. I made a little bit of money, not a lot, but I worked a lot of hours for sure. And um, so that's how we get. So I came to Frog Guy. But when I came, Whisper and Venom kind of came with me. But nothing had been done with it for eight years. I mean, I thought about it occasionally. I'd run it, um, but it was uh, kind of my baby. Um, we decided to redo it because. The, I was me then who had never produced anything. I mean, I was lucky. I got nominated for a couple of any awards. One of them was for like best production values, which is the first book I ever laid out, right? And nobody would let me near it now. I mean, I know how to use InDesign, but that does not make you good at it. Um, I'm living proof of that, right? But I did a nice enough job, I guess, where they recognized it. And that was real nice of them, right? But I now have access to people who are real professionals in all categories. So. I, it's not just Zach making a the best, uh, you know, craft project ever, right? I now have access to, you know, we have a printer in Hong Kong and we have uh, other writers who can help, you know, read it and help contribute if we need to get to that far, you know. We have other, uh, we have our book, our books are awesome. They're, they're, they're stitched in 16 sheets you know with library bound and stitched and just beautiful books on the 98 gsf paper you know just really well done and we have artists that are just amazing right and you know i got i hired jeff d and lloyd metcalf did a great job for me but this is like a whole nother level of you know nine artists that all do color art it's all amazing they, that wasn't possible before and so this is kind of like and it was never in 5e because it predated 5e as i'm you know starting to date myself here but it predated 5e by a good couple of years and um 
it was never obviously in OSC before because it predated that by a lot longer. But um, this is our first main, uh, this is our first effort. And it's taken a lot of effort to do it right. First attempt to make a full adventure of ours into the OSC like, system, which is all spreads on a page, you know, bullet points and all the beautiful pros I was so damn proud of and Whispered Venom is all going to be paired back a lot and made sure that it fits what they care about in OSC because I don't care about my words that much anymore. They were more special before. I don't remember most of my words anymore. And whatever it was, it hurt my feelings. When I cut it back. Doesn't matter because I can't remember what it was I cut. So whatever it was, it wasn't that good. That's what I tell myself. Um, and with OSC, we're just, you know, that that's a big change. And this is going to be a big change between what you see for our old school system stuff and what you see for our 5E stuff. And um, um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be different. We're going to do it. A5 size, which is a smaller digest type size for the OSC one. So it's going to be longer page count, different layout, different, maybe different layout artist for each, depending on the time we've got. I mean, so it's uh, quite the thing. And so I'm real proud of it. It's not super long, but it's got a little setting. It's designed to be useful in any campaign because it's remote. It has the only politics are micro. There are three little towns. So I, I care a lot about things like it being natural feeling even though it's full of fairies and elves and everything you know, <laughs> um it had to feel like some place that you would recognize otherwise so i cared a lot about the economics setup of it it's a small area it's really depopulated but it's got three towns three towns have like a triangle type trade it revolves around what do you think booze on the booze and weapons because and grain because that's what matters when you're in a remote area that's dangerous you care about those things because that's how you store grain that's how you do all these things that matter so but, you know, I tried to make it amusing and, you know, there's a whole town of dwarves, but they're lazy because they live off their ancestors. They make a machine that sounds like they're making stuff, but they're actually making nothing. But they're selling through the stock, right? Selling through the seed corn. Um, yeah, but there's have to be halberds, right? But, you know, the point being that that's a, a flaw that they have. And there's a whole town full of, like, uh, civilized goblins that are, they make a um, kind of a, basically a drug combination with alcohol using areas that are indentured, it's hard to explain, but um, it's, they're, they're unique little towns, but their, their economics make sense. And their people are flawed. You know, there's no real good guys or bad guys, they're people. So, I mean, it was important to me that the NPCs be partially entertaining, useful in the campaign, but also be the kind of people that you recognize as they're smart, they're flaws, they're good husbands, but they're terrible businessmen. You know, they're, they're great drinkers, but they're terrible creatures, <laughs> you know, there's a temple, but they don't talk about the religion very often because it, I want it to be you transferred. You can play. I want it to be played, and much to my shock, it was. Um, I mean, I sold 250 box sets. That's uh, 300 box sets got made. I think I made 300. I mean, I'm out. The, you, the one I held up is that's it in my house. Um, and we sold through all those, and then we I sold a number of the books, a number of the special just module versions of it. It was. It was a much larger phenomenon than I expected in my life. I expected to sell probably a hundred <laughs> copies and box with some dice, and I was going to make it the way I wanted to. And now we're doing it again. I'm able to kind of make it a little more. I think the OSC version is going to be very much like a, I would have played it when I was younger. So that's kind of an attraction to me. Um, that's going to be kind of cool. The 5e version, I think, it was made for a 5e version in, in many ways because he was overly wordy, like me right now, right? It was overly wordy and. It was, um, it has all the kind of stuff you can use in 5e to really make it layout look good and just 
because the way I decided that just by accident. So there's going to be two cool versions. So I'm excited about it. Great, great, great. You're bringing back a lot of uh, you're you're bringing back a lot of fond memories uh, from you know the first edition era for me. Um, I mean, we started with I mean we love uh, the Grognardia blog ourselves, and we have uh, you know James Malajewski, who's the author on at least once oh, yeah. a year. I think we've had him on a couple of times now, so we love having James on as a guest here, <laughs> and he's a he's a great friend of the show. Um, you know, and you know, I remember you know the the. Um, I love that. I love the fact that Tim Gask owes you a, a copy yeah. of, uh, of Elder Twizzergreen. me that you know, two hours of my life back, right? Because those two hours were long. I'm sure you right sitting in an office office when they explained to my mom why it is that you know why I shouldn't have this book. She was already horrified, right? But now she does yeah. some of our shipping. So she, I, I win. <laughs> <laughs> So you're going to get me to confess to a story that I don't think I've ever told anybody is um, I was at some point I, I got a, I got a gift. I was owed a gift. Right. So so my dad takes me into the hobby, the one right, the one hobby shop that has three boxes of miniatures in our in our mall in a rural area. And I'm going to get the uh, the color version of Vault of the Drow. Right. Color version of Vault of the Drow. Now on the front, if anybody. If the, the front, you've got, you know, the, the high priestess and she's got the tentacle wand and they're in a fight. Oh, okay. But if you, flip it, if you flip it over, the back cover has a very suggestive uh, illustration of a succubus who's basically naked, but just, you know, strategically blocking the, the, the naughty bits, right? And so this is, this is what I want. My dad's going to buy it for me. We bring it up to the counter. And with my dad and the shopkeeper, I'm just like, don't turn it over. Don't turn it over. Don't flip it over. Don't look at the back. Don't look at the back. Having a monster manual at school and being worried that you know, the teacher flips through it, like, just yeah. you know, come by. Because they were big. They looked like textbooks. I mean, they, they weren't. You could get interest in them, right? Well, sometimes it would be the wrong interest, right? So, Yeah. Yep, and there were the D oh, yeah. demigods. My 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 cousins actually did get like I had to actually take uh, a cust custody of some of those books because actually they became prohibited at some point in my cousin's household. I had a friend that was nearby me and wasn't growing up with staff, and I got the phone call late one night with the whispers. His mom had thrown it all out, so we had to recon it, like uh, going out like you know, eleven o'clock at night, like nine year old kids would go out and walk through town and. <laughs> We'll grab, we'll grab a couple copies of Holmes box set that was tossed in the trash, you know, and his, his DDG. Um, you know, I had all that stuff forever because my mom actually tossed it out. I was pissed. Wow. Because I had a lot of stuff that's probably worth a lot of money now, right? I mean, I have I have since rebought it all. Right, but it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't have my, you know, the You're stains of you know, <laughs> I was where I spilled tab on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that was always my, my issue for sure. I was uh, no no dramatic, you know, seizure uh, stories for me, but plenty of just like I was not good with my things as a child. I just you know did not well, respect the objects I owned. <laughs> so much. I mean, when our Arcana came and it was had terrible binding, my heart broke. I mean, and I didn't realize I grew up to care about that so much that if I had terrible binding <laughs> in our books, my heart would break. So I mean, some things I guess don't change, and the Arcana was a valuable lesson in why we do pay more for binding. I mean, just 
Hey, man. Yeah. Who yeah. knew I've been training my whole life to be peak me right now to care about binding and talk about how it's our comp, but I am. That's totally, that's totally, that's totally true. What, I mean, what, so, uh, what, so you mentioned White Plume Mountain, like what other, like were there, the, I wanted to ask about like what got you to be, you know, engage, connect the miniatures so closely to your adventure. Cause I can think, I feel like that's something that D and D goes through cycles with, right? Like, so, uh, you know, there, there was war gaming and then Gygax says, I started D and D and I specifically got away from all the miniatures. And then, you know, then they sort of come back and people go back to theater to the mind. Um, how do you feel about well, that whole cycle about like we're obsessed and then we're not and we're obsessed again? Well, I, mostly I'm bemused because I can't paint. Okay. So I, I have a lot of <laughs> nice painting miniatures. So I hired somebody to do it. It's when you're old enough, it's like some people have a lawn guy. My boss has a wine guy. I got a painting. Right. And he's kindly will paint my stuff because I can't do it. Um, but, uh, I would, I couldn't afford them when I was young. They looked attractive. The hobby store would have a display case even then that you'd walk in and see guys who could paint these obviously poisonous that we would all, you know, you know, gotta get the sword straight. So stick the lead in your mouth and bend the sword, you know, two, uh, um, but, uh, I, like I had some of the Ralph Arthur gold boxes. Right. As opposed to the awesome strategic simulations gold boxes for the Apple II, that's a whole different gold box. But so, it's <laughs> an important delineation. Trust me, I have questions of both. Um, but uh, the gold box miniatures, I had the Dens of the Swamp and like the Henchman box, like two of the worst ones to have them for applicability anywhere. Like, well, I could play Salt Marsh, goddammit, and I'm ready. But no one ever played that one. Right? But, uh, but I had the miniatures. <laughs> but. Um, no, I, I, me, it was never a hugely important part of our play because I didn't have them growing up. I mean, I wanted them. I, you know, I, I'm not even sure what we've done. We used them mostly just to set marching order, and occasionally we would use the same twelve enemies. You know, that's what we had. So the, this goblin looks like Demogorg, and that's just the way it is. You know, <laughs> and, but uh, we would, you know, kind of set up combat. We wouldn't have a huge terrain. We had nowhere to put it. I can just imagine me telling my mom I needed this room full time to make a dungeon. If I if I had Dwarven Forge back then, I was there is zero chance that I could display it. Like I if I had it now, I'm married so and she would just think that that's a really useless. I mean, bad enough. And what I got here, you picture if I had a whole room full of terrain, you know, I don't know where to store it. <laughs> I mean, I got I got far got books here. <laughs> so. One yeah, of our online I, friends, uh, what, I, I'll just say one of, I, I mean, I, I'm so totally right in the same wheelhouse with all that, Zach. One of our online friends, uh, Lord Gasumba, who does a great show Sunday nights on Twitch, um, who's, who's had us, he, right, so he lives in New Jersey and he's got a huge house and his whole basement is totally dedicated to all of his miniatures and setups. And I'm so jealous. I'm so wildly jealous. You know, me living here in Brooklyn, I don't, and I don't have that large a place. And I'm just like wildly yeah. jealous of like having an entire furnished basement dedicated to that. I'm like that is that would be the best. But we, you and I, don't have that. No, we don't. And I, I assure you, is he married? I just want to because he is. That's a, that's yeah, a he is. <laughs> you know the beginning of the Dean of Demigods where they talk about ascension, right? This, yeah. this wife deserves mm -hmm. some attention. She, she's the avatar of a goddess, that's for sure. <laughs> and so is Mario. A bit like. Uh... 
of a theory, it's a bit like owning a pool. You don't you don't necessarily want to be the guy who owns all the miniatures and terrain, but you want to know that guy. You want him in your game yeah, yeah, so you can yeah, go over to his place. Yeah, no, I, I collected the, the Wizards of the Coast uh, edition figurines for a while, so I just got it out of hand. Um, and I liked yeah. them, and, uh, but I didn't like the, the, the card collecting aspect of which one will I get today? I thought that would, I'd rather just mm-hmm. pay for the whole bunch of them. And I saw how much mm-hmm. they were. I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I don't play my home because I don't really have a home group because I live in a town of like 12,000 people. And so I'm lucky to get a, one game of Dark Tower in a year. year right? I do go to a lot of cons. I'm not carrying my miniatures with me. So, yeah. So, for what it's worth, so we are big fans of Dark Tower, right? So, we, we played on the stream, and it was two days ago that Paul was pointing me to their current Kickstarter. It was like, Dan, here's your opportunity to get Dark Tower. And what you just said, Zach, is exactly my what I was considering yesterday of like, how many times am I going to have? I love Dark Tower so much, but how many times am I going to have somebody over to my place to play it? Not many. Well, I, I, I got both of them. They're real different. I mean, they're real the same and really uh, superficial ways. They're real different. They're both real fun. They aren't the same game. I love them both. They're, the first one I love because I can just remember listening to it turn. I had to send it away two times to get prepared, right? There's a dude in Colorado who repairs original Dark Towers, and he does it for $35 plus shipping. And uh, it's amazing. He got the, he so has you have an original Dark Tower that still works now? Holy shit! I didn't think yeah, that. I didn't think that was a thing anymore. Why didn't anybody tell me about this? <laughs> it wasn't cheap. Right? I, I tried to buy one in France. What I collect now is I collect foreign edition, call through, and and apparently I just bought some requested from Argentina. Right? Uh, but I collected those, and I'm looking for a dark tower in French. They made one in France. That's one of my big gets. <laughs> That's how. That's how you know I have too many books, right? Is when I'm like, you know what I need? I need more books in French. Do I speak no French? I have, I got Hebrew D and D. Like I don't speak <laughs> Hebrew, you know. And like, and the people I know who speak it say that because they had like you know stuff that they made official stuff that never came out in the U.S. Right? So, but I can look at it. I can look at it and I can see Hebrew letters and I feel better about myself. I don't know, but that's why I don't have any good reason to collect it. But I have a big thing out in the living room display that my wife. Beautifully has allowed to invade her space that has all my French Merp collection, you know. <laughs> so, you know, so Midler's role playing by Iron Crown Enterprise, you want to see it in French and Spanish? I'm your guy, otherwise, you know, <laughs> no one else cares. Now, to be curious, so, I, I think that you're, if, if I can say this on there, so I think that your wife, Jen, also deserves several awards. And of course, she is, oh, yeah. she's well, fundamental to the business as well, right? She is now, yeah. She, um, and it's important. She can make nerds do stuff, and she does a very good job with that. They all listen to her. We have a team server, right? Because we have we we're upwards of forty people we pay on contracts for various things, and they're all pretty important to the process in odd ways. And she understands that, but she's a calendar person. And her and Edwin actually um, are very big into. Hey, we told you to have this done in two weeks, and uh, well, where is it? And I know this will shock you. Uh, hold, hold yourself. Some of our writers and some of our creatives, that isn't their thing. They want to make the perfect turn of phrase. They want to make their art that much better. They are, 
They feel like sitting home and smoking dope more than do like drawing pictures. I mean, it, there are lots of reasons for it, right? And I bless them all. Some of those guys are the best. I, so I, I, don't, I don't address that anything. But um, the, uh, the fact that she can make these guys and gals, but mostly guys, the gals are pretty much on task always. The ones that work for us are like amazing. Um, but uh, she can get them all to do stuff almost on time. So she's like a saint. Yeah, she she works for us and does a lot of logistics stuff, but she's funny because she didn't know a lick indeed. Like she couldn't tell you she had D ten and D twenty, right? Not long ago. Now she's hardcore. She knows all the lingo and she knows all kinds of stuff and she's an old school gal, right? I think it's so just awesome. 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 I, uh, uh, Jen has been extremely uh, helpful uh, preparing a number of shows on our channel. So big Big thanks. Maybe maybe we're gonna send her over a combined uh, a D twenty colored twice, just so she's got one that's both. We should. She needs one with a crown. Uh, she needs to be able to make sure she fills it in with a gold. <laughs> I, I was at a I was at a Gary Conway yard, and you don't know you know Michael Curtis from Goodman Games. I don't know if you ever had him on before, but uh, had him on. Yep, he was love Michael. Yeah, he, he opened up a, a bag of uh, Gamma World dice in front of everybody at the game. They, you know, took the old bag that had the crown and the dice inside, just opened them. I filmed him doing it so I could send it to these to the collector guys like, like John Peterson. Like, I saved that just for those guys so they could all. But some of these collector guys are awesome. Like, I'll be honest, I have a shrink wrap machine, right? I had it for making these boxes for Whispered Venom. So I'll go shrink wrap like a one of you player's handbook that's in terrible shape. And I was like, I'll take it to, we have a joke auction in Texas, so I'll take like, here's a shrink chain mail, third print, you know, signed by Jeff, Jeff Perrin, <laughs> like original shrink, right? Because <laughs> when you meet and hang with guys, um, these guys are awesome. They, they'll buy the, uh, they, they bought Whispering Venoms that had like everything I could throw in, just everything nice I could make, signed posters, signed, they bought it all because they collect quality stuff, right? But man, they know more about shrink wrap than any human being that doesn't shrink wrap for a living should know. They understand how, they, how they would, you'll remember this when I say it, but the old module ones were tri, like trifold shrinks, so they had like, a, you could open it up the back usually, and pull it up and had a little round circle in it to make sure that it didn't bend the module when it got shrunk so it didn't hold the air in it. You could tell an original 80s shrink module for that reason. Why do I know this? Far too many people have explained it to me before. Um, and, you know, I thought I'd go to enough of the auctions, you know, you, you hear it and you're told some very specific things. You're just like, you're amazed. You're like, and then you meet people like, what's your, what's your favorite thing in your collection? Oh, my manuscript from Gygax's manuscript for D&D first print. Okay, I'm out. I'm out collecting because I'm not going to get better than like John Pearson's collection or Bill Meinhardt or these people that I know real well. And I've seen their collections, like, yeah, I just have stuff I like to read. You know, <laughs> I like to pick it up and read it. This stuff is, uh, there's amazing stuff out there that people have archived our hobby because it's full. There's a lot of nerds here. Nerds like to archive and organize and put tabulate and have spreadsheets on every, every printing there ever was that vaults the row, right? You, you want to know how many there were? They know. They don't just know, they know how to tell. And they know when one's missing a page and they know when, you know, uh, it's amazing. I'm grateful for it. It's not me. Although I may own it. I can't remember what I own. That's one of my problems where I don't buy as much. I know I don't own, probably, probably don't own it in French or Portuguese 
or my mic, but I don't. I can keep track of that still. <laughs> I, I mean, how TSR by nineteen ninety eight it produced thousands of items. I, I can't keep yeah. track of that. I definitely remember going to the uh, auction at Gen Con for a couple of years and eventually bringing with me a, a, a printed out spreadsheet of the things I already owned. Because I'm like, just don't buy it again. <laughs> just, I've already got that. Just don't buy it again. So, well, so I, Paul, I was, you do I, have, Paul, you have, you have, what is it that you have that was formerly owned by um, someone important? Oh, yeah. When uh, you, I have, uh, I have Gary's uh, copy of Mertwig's Maze. Um, when, yeah, when they were auctioning off, uh, yeah. I have two things, and I have one thing I didn't buy I regret, but I have two things that I have that, one was a copy of the Swedish game magazine owned by Gary, thank you, Paul Stromberg, for the auction, I have the certificate in the back, right? So I have, like, yeah, I got a yeah. magazine in my house, like, yay us. And then I have a, a really nice couple of things that Jim Cass that he sold me, and then I have, what I didn't get, it only went for $80 for the auction of Gary Carr and four, was Elise Gygax's chainmail bikini from these ads that they did in Dragon. They had her chainmail ah. bikini top. I know that's not ah. super PC, but I, that would have been the most important nerd item I ever owned, right? But uh, I'm not sure that would have passed muster. At the time, I you know I wasn't a you know a super capitalist in RPGs. It makes you rich, right? No, it doesn't. I'm going to be awesome. But um, no, but uh, oh, no. my wife beat me from here out down the road and back if I came back with a hundred dollar like top like this big like yeah she would call me what pervert which i would deserve probably <laughs> at least was the one selling it so at least i wasn't like you know some kind of weird stalker she was the one that was selling it so <laughs> that's the one that got away <laughs> that's funny do you know who got it who got it <laughs> Oh, you know, I don't. Remember. I don't remember. Okay. I'm gonna play. I'm, I'm gonna go on a limb here. I'll, I'll, if you roll a dice, I could probably pick one of five. I guess who? I'm not going. They probably don't want to be out of it. I'm right. That's amazing that she hung on to it. I feel like those are the kinds of things where, by I mean, you know, knowing people in theater or you know ads or stuff like that, most of that stuff just gets chucked. That's amazing that she kept it. God knows. I mean, I have Ernie Gygax's copy of the Titan game that has a. Dave Trampere's oh. art. Um, I have his personal copy of that that has like smoke damage because he was in his house when it caught fire. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he was. So you I, know, we, I have all that we, stuff, but I don't have like I don't have the best copy of anything or the first copy of anything. So <laughs> Ernie told us actually. Ernie told us about that when we had him on for an interview at one point about his house burning down. It was like really harrowing. That's that's yeah, it was harrowing. I met his roommate there, but then four years later, I bought his copy of Titan. So. Small world. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Very much so. Hey, so I wanted to follow up on, so, you know, this being, uh, so Whisper and Venom being your first um, OSC uh, connected product was that, you know, Old School Essentials. And I can't say as I have a copy of Old School Essentials, but man, everybody that looks at it seems to love it. And a lot of our patrons are saying that they've switched their games to uh, old school essentials and people really adore it. So was that like a, is that like a big switch for you? Is that, is, was, is that, was that, you know, for, uh, switching from uh, Swords and Wizardry, um, is, was, was that, a, was, is, is that going to be noticeable to readers or is that mostly an invisible system switch? Well, okay. Let's, let's have some real talk here, everybody. All these clones are very, very simple. Everybody who DMs and plays old school games can very much use almost any of the other clones to be 
use for their product. They just can't. It's the it's the attitude behind the clone and where the DM runs it that makes the biggest difference. And the um, BX aspect of OSC is popular because I'm just going to shock you, but they sold a lot of BX boxes back in the day, right? So there are a lot of older guys that like it, but a lot of younger people who've never seen it, never seen BX as it was, they don't care about any of this, which is the most refreshing thing, is going to the OSC Discord and seeing people talking about playing games and not talking about when they played games. Uh, they're talking about what they have done to play their game in their campaign and not about you know, the other jerks that don't like that also like these games. They care about playing the game. And that's the one thing that's really refreshing about OSC that I like. Um, so yes, we're going to be making it. It's going to be a lot different than I expected. Um, mostly because uh, we looked at it and read, looked at the rules and read the rules, but what, what I didn't realize was how invested their community is in making sure that it has the look. It's not really a trade dress. Gavin's got a philosophy that I think it's really is a layout philosophy. It's a minimalist one that I I respect because it's it's centered around playing the game. Like they don't care about my wonderful words that I have cutting out of whisper. But <laughs> sad sad day. They, they they care about playing the game. So the presentation on an A five book, which is a digest size book that has uh, in spreads which means two pages side by side so everything you see on a spread should be available to you on that spread and that information should be bullet pointed single sentence or called out and like really no box text to read which i have box text to whisper them i never expected one person to read it not out loud not once i put it there as a way just to delineate what a player can see what a gm can need to know and then the creatures below it so i use that box text as a call out to the difference what you see, but now it's become bullet points, right? A lovely sentence for that with a clever clever turn of phrase about this chest having inlaid gold, like chest open, right? Because that's what it is. Those important things to know. <laughs> and we have some of the play or the setting guide and some of the fun things that I think I make what's been cool um, are there. Uh, but the words part of it are not in the adventure section anymore, or very little. Uh, or we're leaving certain ones to make a nice, they make a nice page decoration by being on the left hand upper side of the page for description of these three rooms or this area. If it works, we keep it parts of it. If it doesn't, we're down to cutting maps up to make sure they fit into the relevant sections or an A5 um, spreads as opposed to one map for the next six pages. You're probably going to see part of a map on these spreads each time you turn a page um and you'll see what they want so is it different yes in the presentation no in spirit how's that fascinating fascinating um you know it's funny because you know i i um uh, you know i actually go back and forth between um you know my you know obviously my original D, &D you know digest sized books um oh, no way yeah, it's funny because I go back and forth between like, you know, making my own stuff digest sized or letter sized, actually. Um, right. And it's nice that you can kind of print it out and you can staple it at home if you're doing it with a PDF or something like that. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I find it, you know, like, I, you know, Gary ran games with just like a loose leaf binder and stuff like that. And sometimes I find it easier to get it in that format and just slap it in a loose leaf binder. So it's kind of interesting to see you guys doubling down on the classic digest sized, actually. Well, you um, are for the OSD ones because of the expectation from mm -hmm. the fans. That they may not be for every product. There may be products that are much better mm -hmm. because of what you said. For us, the 
truly Marsh Manual is a living reason why we don't do anything that's in rings because they fell out. And we all hear when they fell out mm -hmm. a lot. Right. Right. <laughs> no, but honestly, um, it, we're trying to make sure that we respect the OSC audience. It was easy when we had Swords and Wizardry and Matt Finch. I mean, he, he, we respected the author because he was right there. Right. Was, you know, but, uh, you know, he's doing his thing now and he's uh, doing real well with it. And he's going to, Social Wizardry is in his hands as it always should have been, right? So we're doing a new, there's a new group of fans and some of our old fans are going to follow us, I believe, because we're making old school style stuff. I mean, our new stuff is sort of old school style. Like, so we, our 5e stuff is much more, it's much closer in spirit to, you know, a 2e than it is to 40, whatever. So we, uh, it isn't that much of a stretch in terms of content, I think. I think that's going to be fine. I think that it will be useful to anybody. I it, honestly, everybody who buys from us is a good enough GM to where they can. But what I want to make sure to do is that new players know that we care about their game. We're not just showing up because they're successful. They are successful. They are. That is not. That isn't a very big attraction as to why you would do it that way. But we weren't going to write our own. It wasn't going to change anything, and we were not going to ignore the market. And we wanted to make sure when we went in there, we didn't go in there like jerks. We went in there um, because we care a great deal about old school gaming, doing it in the way that they would like to see it purchased. Because ultimately, I don't get to do anything if they don't buy anything. And I want to make cool stuff. I want to make cool stuff for them in the way they want to buy it. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. It is hard. It all could be honest with you. You know how much harder it is to do that, to change the printing format, and to change that changes so many things and like some app sizes and, and then there's a lot of works to work but i think in the end um we'll be much better we're, we're serving a community much better with products i think they'll want to buy we just kind of showed up in here here's our eight and a half by eleven one with ose stats yeah yeah i, I mean to me i feel like that's the first time that i've heard someone printing actually different you know different uh, print sizes for the two different editions that seems like really really committing to uh the the different flavors of, of, uh, of market that you've got. Yeah, we did a few times before with Swords of Wizardry stuff when we made the box set, the stuff okay. that would fit inside. But uh, we're going to do it um, this way. And I'm not sure that everything we produce in 5e will come out in OSC and certainly vice versa. Um, mm -hmm. We, uh, I mean, we have, I have thousands of, of creatures and spells and magic items and stuff that are great for a bx game that aren't statted up that aren't in osc now we may make source books over there maybe pdf only stuff works we don't know they're going to kind of help dictate the market to us and what where they want to buy what they want to buy but we're going to make whisper and venom the very best osc long form module which of which there aren't any right now i know that are long the ones who are working it i don't know any that released long form and designed around their principles that are, aren't, you know, just 28 or 48 pages digested. Whisper will probably be well over 200 pages digested. Wow. Especially because it's going to be, if we're going to save any of the um, other appendix material, that's going to be, you know, we'll push back a lot of the writing to the appendix or forward to the settings section. The, the adventure section itself is easily going to be over 100 pages digested. And it's, it takes great. a whole different philosophy. So we had the same lady probably lay it out. Um, and she's from France, Canada, and she's really incredible. She has done new, new work for us. And she wanted to try it in the A5 real bad. So I'm like, okay, well, 
you do both. Congratulations. You know, <laughs> you can try them both. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm real awesome. excited about that. Now, I see that, uh, you know, Whisper and Venom is already super successful on Kickstarter. And, uh, you know, uh, I would, our, our, we've got a link to your Kickstarter in the uh, description to our YouTube event here that people should click on and look at. So it's already funded. You've already ticked off uh, one, two, three, four, five, six different stretch goals. You've added uh, character sheets and player maps and a bunch of miniatures and stuff like that. And I see that uh, you're, you're, you're just on the cusp of uh, unlocking uh, another miniature, and then after that, you can you can hopefully we're going to unlock the um, your 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 spectacular no PC who's 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 French flavored Mazur Mange, which I which I adore. I love no, so I'm really hoping you unlock that. Well, yeah, no, I, he uh, that character was he originally showed up in the Death of Taxes book. I liked him so much, I had a good idea for his use in Whisper and Venom, but he's not really. Um, that he's French by costume, but what he is is a he was injured basically by an anvil, um, like Wilder Coyote. But uh, so he's, he was befriended by somebody because he basically no longer had any capacity to do much but sit. So they made him into like an intellectual that everybody was impressed by because he never said anything. So that people would project onto him all their deep thoughts and they would think he was agreeing, right? And so all he ever said was "we" in French, like you know. What do you think of this? Not we. So everybody, it's about the project. The story came down about people projecting their own values onto somebody who had nothing to say. He basically was like Black <laughs> County, but he dressed really nice. I have some really great photo images of him, and the new ones I just got yesterday are awesome. But no, he's a he's a he's not making a really an important point, but he's making a point about you know, shallow nature of people. But he also is, has a good hook for an adventure. I wanted to use him in a Whisper and Venom, and I wanted to bring him up and. Um, I have the figurine for him. That one will come out pretty quickly, and he's awesome. So yes, he's one of my favorite ones I wrote because he was uh, it was very easy to make a statement using him, and especially given everything else without insulting everybody because every side has that fake intellectual or fake you know prophet, right? And this guy was just happened to be a gnome who got dressed up real nice, and that was enough to fool everybody because they wanted to be fooled. Right? So yeah, that's where that comes from. <laughs> That's a great piece of business. I love that. I generally love gnolls. You know, for for some reason, among my miniature collection, my gnoll miniatures are just my flat out favorites. And I had I had uh, someone who played D and D with me for the very first time, and up until that point, she had known me as like, oh, he's a very quiet, reserved person. And then I have to go no. into full on gnoll hysterical laughter, threatening violence mode, and she was like, this is. I think I think Dan's having like a like a disassociative episode right now. So I was I was Holds delighted awesome. to bring the knoll to the table. Yeah, I think knolls really are awesome. They're underappreciated in in the entire you know, micro universe. The Whisper of them and the Death and Taxes that Edwin and I worked on. Um, knolls were an important ancient race that actually were full of civilization and everything else, and were kind of betrayed, and so they became the best barbarians ever by, on purpose. Right, they we had them like having like an old style calculating machines and all kinds of stuff in their ancient history, which they gave up for vengeance and they became just awesome. Plus, they bark. Absolutely bark right. Right. <laughs> I mean, Paul kind of relied on Knowles a bit in uh, an adventure that he wrote uh, with uh, with uh, with R. A. Salvatore actually a little while ago. Is that right, Paul? Yeah, yeah, it's true, and I think also leaned on that notion of Knowles 
having having previously had a, a higher level of civilization and kind of degenerating over time. Which I yeah. think really oh, they should. They, 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 look, more they look like kind of Egyptian themed. It's a nice twist. And that's why. Rem that's why the potato. I think of the fancy clothes on the knoll and make it so awesome. Yeah. 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 Paul, remind me what the, the name's escaping me of that adventure. What what's the name of that again? Um, that adventure uh, uh, was called um, <laughs> the Vile. <laughs> yeah, I try to try to remember it myself. Um, uh, the, it was it was uh, Ari Salvatore presents the Vile Crypt of the Reawakened Sisterhood. Um, right, 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 right. Yeah. Which is which is so the the creation of which was has sort of spawned our own uh, series on the on this on the show of uh, uh, what we now call the dungeon design dash where we try to mm -hmm. populate right. an entire dungeon mm -hmm. in an hour, which is foolish. <laughs> so I mean, so folks can look for it. it's still on Drive Through RPG. People should look for that. And the, and yeah. the, the t is I feel like that's a title that probably came from Matt Fitch's tone of tome of adventure. Is that um, absolutely? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. You know, one thing I noticed, Zach, is that you're you're making your miniatures in what I consider classic scale. Like I like as a math guy, I'm always I'm just psycho about what's the scale of the miniatures and the maps and stuff like that. So I see that you're still making stuff 28 millimeters, and I feel like um, is is. Hasn't like wizards like bulked up? Like I find that the miniature, the wizards' miniatures are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger over the time that they don't fit with classic stuff. Are you finding uh, that or not? Probably, probably I, I made what I know, man. Uh, what I knew about miniatures mm. was way less than I know now. I'll tell you that. And what I knew about when I decided to make a miniature, my goal was to make one, one miniature to go with it. So it would be, and it was not a lot more than one I'm making. And I learned about sculpting, and uh, this is all done by a company named Valiant Enterprises in uh, Wisconsin. And they walked me through how to make about sixty of them the total I made. And these are the best of those that I work. Um, I can respin and put into a pack, and I can expand them. And you know, so as the, we unlock more, of the same money you pay for a pack of miniatures is going to get you more miniatures because once the logistics is figured out. I can add those. They make nice stretch goals, and I don't mind, you know, having the margins shrink a little bit on the miniatures pack to give more out because I think it's a cool way to do it. And I, miniatures look nice and they're fun. But these are all the old-fashioned way. They're all done the old-fashioned way in Peter. They aren't real lead, so they won't poison you. Maybe. <laughs> no. no, they won't poison you, and they, uh, they, they come out really nice, and they paint real well. And I picked the best of them. Some of the ones that I made originally were, you know, junior excitement. This is awesome. It's got seven legs and did all this there. They don't make good miniatures that have seven legs and all these miniatures. That's, I learned this. So a couple of the miniatures didn't make it, but the rest of them really were nice. And like good sculptors did them. Uh, the people who are still painting professionally painted them for pictures and stuff. So, yeah. You know, Zach, as an, as an old school guy, I find that the game just gets nerfed and it gets gentler and gentler over time. And as a, as a, as a gatekeepy old school guy, having non-poisonous miniatures is just like, it's not, it's not no, like I, it used to be. You don't weed out the dumb people as much from the hobby that way. We certainly would weed out the non-players who put in their mouths like young kids and stuff. I mean, it's amazing we survived childhood looking back. I mean... We didn't wear seatbelts when I was a kid. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if they had seatbelts in every car I got in, right? We all these things that we would do that would horrify all good parents today for good reason, right? But having 50 things made out of lead that I would paint and brush, lick the brush, and paint on the lead and put it back in my mouth with lead on it, and, you know, and it's still alive. It's amazing. I, I'm my mother should be proud that I made this far. <laughs> we, 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 I still have all my digits, even which is which is mostly all straight. Um, <laughs> which is impressive. I, um, I got, I got two other things. I got two other things I want to, I want to point out uh, before we run out of, before you have to go, Zach. Um, one is um, that there's a possibility that uh, Jen, your wife, is going to send me your Dark Tower copy, and I, uh, I appreciate that, Zach. Yeah, that's, that's I appreciate nice the Glazer household committing to that. That's really kind of you, Zach. And I, when, I, when I have your working copy of Dark Tower, I, I'm going to play the heck out of it. That's fine with me. I'll stop drinking. I get you, wife. <laughs> now, the other yeah, thing I'll point out is I was. Get you guys all set up. You think she's all great. That you can see right there. <laughs> she's great to us. I mean, he's a hundred percent great to us. Yeah, he's giving you my stuff. He's so magnanimous, <laughs> generous. <laughs> so, so the other thing is, I saw on I saw on the Frog God website under the like who we are. I saw that um, that you swallowed a Boba Fett backpack missile as a kid. No, the Bowser Glasgow one. Because oh. uh, they didn't make they didn't make a fire and bullet that missile because I was one of the six kids who swallowed the Valsar Galactica shooting missiles from the nineteen seventy nine toy set. That so was me. You're, you're so you, you ever had a Boba Fett that did not fire that missile, and you're disappointed? I'm one of the six people you can blame. That was <laughs> I, I I I do blame you, Zach, because up until that point, I really enjoyed my Shogun Warriors miniatures that would shoot stuff yeah. right and all that, and there would there became a particular point. Where nothing shot anything properly yeah, anymore. I can fully show it to you. I have it on my shelf. I have one of them there just for uh, to remind me that I, you know, that could have been dead because some poor kids did die. Uh, and I, I laugh at it because you know it's, it's amusing to me. But there, there are three kids who actually died from it because you know they didn't. They were this big and they really weren't a good warning. I mean, they were small. But uh, I am right now glad I did this for all you people who wanted this shooting Boba Fett and that treat me badly at conventions. That was for you. The Tom Tullis of Fat Dragon Games, I, he, he bitches every time I talk to him about uh, the Boba Fett thing. I'm like, well, too bad. I'm happy. Screw you, Tom Tullis. That's right. No, but yeah, that was me. I admit it. I had to come out to come clean about that. I was worried for a while people would find that out without me saying it first because I think that would cause a lot of angry Star Wars fans, and I don't want that. I've seen angry Star Wars fans the last few years, and I don't like them. <laughs> so in, in, the, the follow-up question I have, of course, is do you still have the missile and is it an original shrink? I don't have that one, but I do have an original box. And I had one time someone <laughs> sent me the I got someone to send me the missiles like the uh, you remember the movie The uh Insider when they had to open the jail box with a bullet inside? I opened a, yeah. a envelope one time and there had two of the two of the missiles from Balshark Glasgow inside someone had purchased on eBay and then sent to me. Like a, like a warning, so there's no, there's no return address. 
no note. It was like, okay, it's only one of many people. I blamed Skeeter Green. That was my first blame. But I mean, it could have been my wife, as you can see now. <laughs> there are, unfortunately, there's a larger number of people who would threaten that to me than I would care to admit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like also. Nerd Godfather. It's like it Nerd Godfather. Is, like, like, I'm the one's gonna wake up with a horse head in my bed, right? Like a dragon yeah. head. Yeah. My, one of those watchy trophy heads I'll turn around and it'll be right there. Yeah. Send that guy some Battlestar Galactica missiles. He'll know what he'll get the message. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, he'll know what to do. Like you want you want to get paid faster? Send me those and I'll I'll be right on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> let me you know, let me I got a really good question from uh, Paul Catrone. You can probably answer pretty quickly, uh, that I that I thought was good. So uh, Paul was asking Zach, are there any plans for a death and taxes port? To old school essentials is that on your calendar um, you know what uh it probably until this one had done this is this has done i'll be frank with you in osc this is this has done fantastic in osc we uh we didn't know what to expect we had no idea we had no idea how our fans who were soldier wizardry fans would take the change we had no idea how people who were into osc would not like those frauds coming here just trying to exploit us like you know we didn't know and so we had a setting where you know on the kickstarter where if you we didn't sell 200 copies of the osc we're gonna have to print it for another man because there's all kinds of reasons that involve supply chains etc but man they blew past that and uh, like for a while they had sold we've sold more five we sold more osc than 5e for a while so the chances of it coming yeah. to oh yeah yep yeah, it might actually wow. come to OSC only to be honest with you i don't know but death and taxes the chances have gone up yes and that's a that's a different kind of whispering venom is a an old-fashioned adventure all through. We've got dungeons and evil stuff everywhere, and a little town like Hamlet, like you know, it, not like Hamlet, but it gets a kind of feel of the early adventures. So, Death and Taxes is a lot more of a it's just a psychological haul. It's a lot more to do with uh, what happens when there's no government, what happens how people treat each other, and the deprivations people go through when governments collapse, and just it's a it's a lot more history stuff involved, and so it. It's a harder one to translate to OSC, I think, because of the bullet point nature of it. However, um, if we, I, I, because I'm so willing to toss aside what I wrote to make sure it matches the system, I think we can get a good portion of it in. So that's a possibility. Edwin wants to do it for sure. And so Edwin co-wrote that one with me. So if he's on board, he'll probably make me. Cool. Cool. So look forward to that. I'm glad, I'm glad Paul asked about that, actually. Yeah, awesome. Me too. So we are just about out of time here, Zach. Is there anything um, about uh, Whisper and Venom that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure uh, we get out to uh, all our viewers? I want to say that is first of all, thank you to everybody who has backed it because um, I didn't know what to expect. It was 10 years old. It, I'm really proud of it. I think it's a great adventure. I think it's, uh, it was worthy of getting trounced by Paizo at the Ennies. You know, I mean, I, I was against Paizo and WizKids, um, and so I didn't have any... I, I, there's no illusions I was going to you know, be the underdog of that one, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I'm out. Um, but uh, it is good. I think people will quite like it. I think it's, it's going to be really nice in OSC. If you're an OSC fan, um, give us a shot. Um, we really want to make stuff um, the way you want to play it. And we have guys on staff who haven't been excited about something as much as they are about OSC. So I think you'll be pleased. And we have lots of plans for it in the future. So, And I always love you guys' show. I watch it when we have other people on it. Pleasure to be on it, man. Awesome. That's the best. Well, the best is when yeah, you had your, you had your early uh, video that I 
Like, I know those guys. And they were on this show. I'm glad I could be on this show, too. Like, I know <laughs> I had dinner with him. He was great. <laughs> we feel the same way. Yeah. No, we we no, watch our own trailer, and we feel the same way. <laughs> I bet. No, I, I, that's why I feel like go places. The, the map you see on the screen right now um, was done by Alyssa Faden, one of her first uh, professional maps. Um, since I hired her, and I've never been sorry because she's, she's awesome. We have good people that were involved yeah. with Wizard all the way through. So I think that it will be the kind of thing you like. And the better the book does, the better I can make the book when it comes out. Like, I would love to make sure the OSC versions have a jacket, like a dust jacket it comes off and the map print on the inside of the dust jacket. So that's a really great way to do an A5 book, right? Those kinds of things are possible if you give it support. So if you have the opportunity, you care about seeing stuff that you think will work for OSC for your game and for 5e because it, it really does translate well to 5e with a lot more of the words intact. <laughs> so um, the spirit is there in OSC, but it's designed to be played by that game. If you 5e, I think it's a great adventure. Um, and we have like if you're into collectibles, I've made three um, adventures that were done exactly like old TSR style with the eightfold cover with the right kind of blue. I mean, I even found the right kind of blue color by CMYK number on the inside. We're reprinting three of those of the four that I made. We're reprinting three of those Whisper and Venom. They aren't cheap because they aren't cheap to make, but we're doing that. So we have all kinds of things there for all kinds of people. And if you enjoy, I think, old-fashioned adventures that are deadly but not stupid deadly, this is not the Tomb of Horror. Tomb of Horrors? Tomb of Horrors. Yeah, sorry. It's a professional problem. Get your, all your names mixed up forever. It's not the Tomb of Horrors because it's not going to create by design, but it is not a simple one to play. So I think you're going to like it. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Love it. All right. Well, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, viewers, uh, if you want to check out the uh, Kickstarter link, it is here in the description, uh, the text description of the YouTube video. Um, go check it out. Uh, maybe place a pledge, a pledge help us uh, push past that last uh, or that, the current um, uh, stretch goal. See if we can get if that uh, Monsieur Mange. Uh, Monsieur Mange. <laughs> awesome. Yep. He's intellectual. He'll, he'll talk about anything you want as long as he doesn't say anything. <laughs> that's great and uh remember that you can uh, of course like follow and subscribe to us the wandering dms we're on youtube and twitch and twitter and facebook and github and tiktok and we do have the handle wandering dms on all of those sites so look for this there and you'll uh, get updates on upcoming shows and guests you can play your new dark tower when it comes in <laughs> yes. yeah i'm laughing i'm laughing <laughs> It's on the it's on the docket. It's on the calendar. Well, if I can play too, okay, I'll uh, play remotely. <laughs> right, thank uh, you, if, if you're, if you prefer to listen to our show in audio only podcast format, you can find those files on our website at wanderingdms.com. You can also find them on various third party carriers such as iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, many other sites similar. If you are listening to this show right now on one of those sites, please take a moment to rate and review us on that site. That helps other users of that site find us, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, we really do. And of course, huge thanks to our patrons who support the Wandering DMs show. If you're in a position where you'd like to join them, please do visit Patreon.com/WanderingDMs. Uh, you see, we got a couple different tiers there. Uh, you get discounts on merch, uh, monthly behind-the-scenes stuff we try to do, uh, and access to our Discord server. We're always continuing the conversation with our wonderful patrons, including a live video after-party chat that we have every Sunday right after the show. So we'll be there in about 10 minutes. I will be there. Paul will be there today. Uh, right, Paul? Yeah. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. Great. So if you have other thoughts about Whisper or Venom or uh, 80s adventures or miniatures, we would love to continue the conversation with you at that point. Um, upcoming, look for upcoming shows this week. Uh, you know, uh, Zach earlier mentioned, uh, you know, there's classic gold box miniatures and there's also classic gold box uh, AD&D video games. And I'm currently, for the first time ever, uh, trying to burn my way through the very first gold box video game, Pool of Radiance, right. Thursday right. nights. Yeah. What are you playing? What system are you playing it on? You playing it on a PC? Uh, I, I'm at, so it's on. Yeah, I'm on PC. I, they, you know, they just added it to Steam a oh, couple months ago, so I'm actually playing it through Steam. As a matter of fact, yeah. I got, Red, Pi, I got a, an Amigo emulator, and I've got it on Steam because like the other thing I do is stupidly is collect vintage computer systems. So I have older <laughs> computer systems I mess with. I don't have enough stupid things. So I have to add that. To it. So. <laughs> So uh, we might have to have Zach back on another time just to talk about his whole video game uh, obsession right. to join in with us. <laughs> yeah, no. Good for you on Radiant, man. Keep going. It's one of my favorite. I have Steve Winter and Jim Ward sign my copy. I love it. It's one of my prized possessions. Nice. Like that. Have my yes, it's, it's super fun watching Dan bumble through it, having never played it before. Uh, maybe, maybe eventually going to get out of the slums, Dan? Maybe. Maybe. I, I've gotten past the slums, Paul. I, I'm totally, I'm totally, I've gotten, I've, I've, yeah, I've gotten. It only took me like eight weeks. You have to use the wheel still to get into the game. Absolutely, I use yeah. the code wheel. I got it I'll right, right, one, right? right here, Zach, right there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I do it. I do everything old school. That's right. Well, I'm proud of you. On the code wheel, we can still be friends now. <laughs> Agree. Agree. Allow me to keep holding up. So, Zach, you th thank you so much for making time out of your uh, out of your day this week. Uh, continued best of luck with the uh, Whisper and Venom Kickstarter. Um, uh, so glad you can you could join us. A pleasure. It really is. So. <laughs> Awesome. So uh, don't forget, we are uh, live uh, Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we do hope that uh, the next show you will join us again for another thought-provoking discussion. <laughs> we'll see you then.